friends, and welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. It's Robbie. I'm back with the third story in this mini-series about David the Giant Killer. I really hope you're caught up with the other stories. If you're not, go back and listen to episodes two and three real quick, because I think the story I have for you today is the most exciting one by far. It's got swords, spears, secrets, love, hate, intrigue, and rebellion. I hope I'm not overselling it. This story is going to involve another time jump, back to before David and Goliath, but long after Saul was first made king. Then it's going to go beyond that, so, you know, I hope you know who Saul is, I hope you know who David is, and all that. Well, Saul had a son, King Saul had a son, Jonathan, who's not described in the Bible as the handsomest young man in the entire history of the Bible, but I always pictured him that way. This is Jonathan's story. He was kind of a daring swashbuckler, and it probably didn't hurt that he was the oldest son of the remarkably tall and handsome king of Israel. One time, Jonathan and his servants snuck out to the Philistine camp. This was when the Philistines were trying to control the Israelites. In fact, they'd actually put all of Israel's blacksmiths out of business, so no one had any metal swords except the king and his son and their closest companions. They had to go to the Philistine blacksmiths for farming tools. They wanted to help them with swords. Well, one day, Jonathan, he was, he was sneaking out to the Philistine encampment, and they started taunting him. Why don't you come up here? Ha <laughs> ha, we can destroy you, you wimp. But they didn't know who they were talking to. So Jonathan and his servant did climb up, and the Philistines are like, oh, he's coming up here, what do you think he's going to do? Well, they got up there, and they started fighting. They took out 20 Philistines all on their own, and it sent the entire garrison into such a horrified panic that they all began attacking each other with their swords. And then King Saul realized that they were in a panic, and he sent his army after them, and they scattered. But now Saul wasn't content with with what I would have considered a victory, and he made an oath that anyone who ate food before the day was over and he had gotten vengeance on his enemies would be cursed. So that became the rule for the day. Jonathan didn't hear the rule, probably because at the time he'd been in the Philistine camp performing heroic acts of daring. You'd think that might excuse him, but no. So Jonathan is in the woods with some of the men from the army. He's connected back up with them. They're chasing Philistines through the wilderness. He sees a nest of bees, and he pokes his walking stick into it, and there's honey. He's like, ooh, he's ready for a snack. So he licks the honey right off the top of the walking stick, like, nom, 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 tasty. And then suddenly everyone realized Jonathan's eating something. They're like, we are hungry too, but your dad made this rule. And um, Jonathan thinks what you might have thought, that if you want an army of men to go chasing enemies through the countryside, you should probably not make them do all that work on an empty stomach. If you've ever been trying to work on math homework with a growling tummy, I think you'll get this is not a logical rule, and Jonathan definitely knows that. He's like, are you kidding me? Can't you tell I feel better already from the sugar rush? Well, after that day, after everyone finally gets to eat, They're so hungry, they start eating raw meat. Meanwhile, King Saul, Jonathan's dad, tries to ask God for advice about, you know, should he keep pursuing the Philistines? Should he pursue them into their own cities? What should he do? But God doesn't answer at all. He just gives him the cold shoulder, no answer. So he's like, uh, somebody has broken a rule. Somebody has done something they weren't supposed to. We will figure out who, and whoever did it, even if it's my own son, he will die. And some of the men, you know, they knew what happened. They knew exactly what rule was broken and who broke it, but they don't say a word. There are things more important than Saul's rules. Snitches get stitches. That's the unspoken rule of all underlings. This podcast does not condone violence. But Saul wants to get this figured out, and he wants his name cleared immediately. 
If you recall the previous story, Saul broke a rule about how to give offerings to God, and God rejected him. Twice, actually. The first one of those had already happened at this point, so I guess Saul feels pretty strongly about the rules now. And he's planning to prove right off the bat that it wasn't his fault, so there will be no doubt that Saul and his son follow the rules, and God's not mad at Saul this time. So Saul and Jonathan stood together, and then he made everyone else stand in a much larger group, and they basically flipped a coin. Heads, it's Saul or Jonathan. Tails, it's one of the hundreds of men in the army. To Saul's utter dismay and complete and total shock its heads, which will make the narrowing down bit much quicker. But he's probably feeling a bit sick right now, and considering his history of breaking rules without intending to harm anyone, Saul probably doesn't even know if it's himself or not. I wonder if he would order himself executed if the coin toss had picked him. What's he gonna do? Off with my head! Speaking of heads, heads is King Saul, and tails it's Jonathan. Well, it's tails, and Saul is like, what did you do? And Jonathan is like, seriously? I tasted honey? You have to kill me for tasting honey? And Saul's like, yeah, you definitely have to die. That's what rules are for. Why would we even bother having the rules if I wasn't going to kill you for tasting honey? And the men who are just watching this go down. They're like, nope, 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 nope. They rush in, like hundreds of them, and they start yelling at Saul all at once. They say that Jonathan and his heroic feet saved them from the Philistines. That's the only way they won today. And there was no way they were going to kill the hero of the day. And they're all between Saul and Jonathan. So they've, they saved Jonathan's life and Saul backs down. They don't kill him. And uh, Jonathan continues his swashbuckling. And if you were listening to episode two, you know, David and Goliath, you might like to know where our handsome swashbuckling prince was when Goliath was challenging Israel. You and me both, kid. I find it hard to believe he was cowering in fear. I like to imagine Saul had some men holding him back while Jonathan is yelling, let me at him, let me at him. They did have to ask the king's permission to fight, so maybe Saul wouldn't risk Jonathan getting hurt. He's all like, nobody kills my son but me. But then as you know, King Saul lets David fight, and David goes to live with Saul and his family. Was Jonathan jealous of David that David impressed the entire nation by killing the giant Goliath? Nope. Actually, he loved him instantly like he loved himself, and they made some kind of oath together to love each other, and Jonathan shared his own clothes with David, and they hung out together all the time, and they were definitely best friends. And then Saul sends David out on a lot of really dangerous missions, and David continues to absolutely slay, literally. He fights a lot of Philistines, and he wins every time. And now, not just Jonathan loves David, everyone loves David. One time, he gets back from a mission, successful again, and people are dancing in the streets, playing music, and someone starts a song, like you might start a chant at a football game, and it spreads out through the whole crowd. In English, I feel like it doesn't chant very well, but I'll give to you what the Bible says, because it's this little song that keeps coming up later in the story. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And everyone is chanting this while David walks through the crowd triumphantly, or maybe Jonathan is like carrying him on his shoulders, and, and he feels on top of the world, and Jonathan's on top of the world because he's so excited for his friend. But there is one person in all this excitement who is not excited. There is one person who was angry and jealous while everyone celebrated. It was Saul. I've slain thousands, more than thousands, he thinks. This is ridiculous. What are they saying? The next day, Saul tries to pin David to the wall with a spear twice, because Saul has decided to kill him, and after that, David is sent away. In the meantime, David gets married to one of Saul's children, because of the reward Saul was going to give to whoever fought Goliath. It's not Jonathan that David marries, just in case you're thinking that. It's actually his youngest sister named Michael. You haven't met her yet. 
And so I was like, oh, this is great. She will be loyal only to me, her wonderful father, and she'll make his life so miserable. <laughs> Except uh, she actually loves David too. And so I was like, rats, how could I have known my daughter would fall in love with a good-looking young athletic hero that's the most popular man in the country and also really good at music? This is unfathomable. And that makes him more mad, and it makes him very, very scared, because he's afraid that people are going to team up with David against him. So here's what he does next. He orders his son Jonathan to kill David. He's so paranoid that everyone loves David more than they love him, and he probably thinks if he doesn't kill David, David's going to kill him and take over the kingdom. Obviously, though, uh, Jonathan is not going to consider killing David. He loves David. You might begin to think Saul was not a very good or observant dad at this point. So Jonathan confronts him. Seriously? The hero that keeps saving the kingdom and never hurt anyone except your enemies and he hurt a lot of them and he loves you and your whole family? You're gonna kill him? That guy? Just to clear this up? Well, instead of killing David, Jonathan actually makes his dad promise not to hurt David. So they bring David back and David's hanging around again. He's eating with the family. He gets in on more missions. He wins more battles and when he isn't winning battles or hanging out with Jonathan, he's playing music for Saul. Saul is still being troubled by those, by that evil spirit. David is playing the soothing music. That always used to help. And Saul is sitting there with his spear. I kind of think maybe someone should take those away from him. If my kids were throwing spears at people, they would be stuck up in the closet for a while. But I guess when you're king, nobody can make you put your spears away. So instead of being soothed by this music that David is playing like usual, Saul is consumed with rage and he throws the spear at David to pin him to the wall and kill him again. And David is quick enough. He dodges it and he runs away and he goes home to his wife, Michael, and she knows what's going on. She, she knows this all that her dad is trying to kill him. She says, my dad has guys waiting outside the door to kill you when you leave the house. So they come up with a plan. And she sneaks him out the window and she makes this little decoy David with a small statue under the covers and puts some goat hair on the pillow. So that if you looked in and you didn't look too closely, you'd think David was just sleeping there. So I guess Saul gets tired of waiting and he sends some men to go in. And Michael's like, oh, my husband is sick. You really do not want to go in there. Trust me. So they report back to Saul that they can't kill David because he's in his bed sick. And Saul says, just carry his whole bed here and then we'll kill him. So they go back to carry the bed with David in it, and they discover he's gone. They find the decoy in his bed instead. And Saul goes to visit his daughter, and he's mad. He says, how dare you let my enemy escape? And she lies, because David's gone, but she's still got to live right next door to Saul. And she says, Dad, he's big and strong, and he told me, don't make me kill you. So I had to let him out. Surely you understand this. He, he doesn't really understand, but, I mean, he lets it go. And David runs away to hide with Samuel. Do you remember the old prophet who just keeps hanging around even though I think he's retired? Well, he secretly told David that David would be the king someday. And this time, Saul knows better than to ask Jonathan to kill him. So he sends other men. He sends other men to go chase David down and kill him. But when they get near, they end up prophesying. They stop their mission and against their will, words keep coming out of their mouth. Saul sends more men and the same thing happens. They can't find David. They can't threaten Samuel. They just stop in their tracks and start saying words that God wants them to say. He sends more men. This happens a third time before Saul says, geez, if you want something done right, do it yourself. So Saul goes, but before he gets anywhere near, he starts prophesying and he's not in charge of himself, not in the slightest. He takes off his clothes and he lays on the ground in the dirt in his underwear and he just keeps on talking, saying words that aren't in his own head. It must have felt very weird. So they stopped trying to hunt David while he was hiding with Samuel the prophet. 
Then David leaves and finds Jonathan, and he's like, Jonathan, your dad is nuts, and he's trying to kill me. Jonathan says, no way. My dad wouldn't try to kill you without telling me. He tells me everything, including, you know, the last time he asked me to kill you. David says, no, he's figured out that you love me too much. So David says, look, Jonathan, I'm supposed to eat with your family tomorrow, but that's kind of risky right now. So you go without me. And if your dad asks where I am, tell him I had to go to my dad's house for the holiday. And if he says, okay, then maybe he's going to stop trying to kill me. But if he loses his temper, you can be certain he was probably planning to try to kill me again. Or, you know, if you think this is a bad idea and I deserve to die... Just kill me yourself. It would feel better coming from you. And Jonathan's like, well, chill, my dude. No one is going to kill you. I will make sure of it. So Jonathan agrees to David's plan, and they swear an oath. Actually, they renew the oath. And they're making the promise again, just for good measure, that they'll love each other forever, and that their children will love each other and take care of each other. And uh, and then they they make this plan. Jonathan says that David should hide in a certain field behind a certain rock the day after the feast, and he'll give him a signal. Jonathan will give David a signal to tell him whether or not the king still wants to kill David. Jonathan is going to bring a servant boy and shoot some arrows and have the boy pick them up. And he says, if I tell him the arrows are right over there, then it's safe for you to come back. And if I say the arrows are way past you, then you need to go away for your own safety. Well, as expected, Saul notices David's not at his usual spot at the dinner table. And he asks Jonathan, where's David? And Jonathan says, oh, I told him it was fine to celebrate the holiday with his dad's family. And Saul gets really angry. He has a huge temper tantrum. He starts screaming at Jonathan that he's horrible and his mom is horrible. And he brought shame to his mother. And Jonathan's never going to be king. And someone better bring David here right this minute so I can kill him. And Jonathan asks, Why? If you remember the story about the honey, you might know he's not going to accept an illogical and ridiculous rule that hurts people just because it's a rule, but Saul is too angry for questions. And he's got his spear at the dinner table again. What's with this dude? And he hurls the spear at Jonathan to kill him, and Jonathan, he dodges it. He's like, wow, David wasn't kidding when he said my dad wanted him dead. And he storms right out of there without eating the holiday dinner. He was, he was angry, and he was really, really sad. And the next day, he takes out a servant boy, and he shoots the arrows, and he says, aren't those arrows way past you? And Jonathan gets really emotional, and he cries out, hurry up, go quickly, don't stop. And David is listening. The servant boy doesn't know anything about this, and he's like, wow, he must really want me to get the arrows back in a hurry. And when the boy brings the arrows back, Jonathan hands him his bow, too, and says, take these back into town for me. And even though he set this up so David could leave quietly with less risk, now that the moment's here, he loves David so much that he can't bring himself to go back home without saying goodbye, so Jonathan waits in the field. David comes out from behind the rock. He walks to Jonathan, and he bows low to the ground three times. Then Jonathan kisses him, and they both cry a lot. They're weeping, and and Jonathan tells him, Go in peace, and remember we swore in front of God our friendship would last forever, and our children and their children will be at peace with each other forever. And David went into exile, and Jonathan returned to town. That is all for this week. Next week, there's some tragedy and triumph in store for David as I wrap up the story of how David became king. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter or Patreon or Facebook where you can interact with me if you have any questions or comments or art you want to show me. Plus, I've been tweeting stuff about King Saul and David as a Dungeons and Dragons game with God as the DM, and I I think it's funny. 
Anyway, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and share it with any friends you have who might be interested. As always, a text version of the story can be found on Patreon. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.